All right, let me introduce the host of the comedy show. This is one of the highlights every year of the, uh, of the Max Fun Con. We're all lucky to be here. Uh, I've seen over the years some of the great comics of, uh, of the Western Hemisphere. And um, it's introduced me to a lot of people. I've made a lot of close friends. Uh, I've had a couple of kids as a result of the people <laughs> I've met at this show. And tonight, um, tonight your host is uh, Nato Green. Yeah. <laughs> Nato appears very briefly in the film Sorry to Bother You. Yeah, that's right. Um, he has a, uh, uh, his most recent comedy album is called The Whiteness Album, which is on Blonde Medicine Records. And um, he is a writer for Totally Biased with W. Kamau Bell. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Nato Green. That's why I'm really excited about uh, Bernie Sanders. I'm really excited about the possibility of the first Jewish president. But as a Jew, not super into the slogan, feel the burn. <laughs> I prefer burn the Jew. So... Um, uh, recently in San Francisco, there was a, where I lived, there was a tragedy. A young man ended up in, uh, in, in the hospital, uh, life support, critical care. Uh, he'd been stabbed for catcalling a woman. And uh, it's very sad, but also that's what you get. Um, <laughs> don't catcall. Uh, yeah, I, I don't wish violence on anyone. Uh, I, I wish him well. I send my thoughts and prayers. Um, <laughs> Just thoughts and prayers. No medical care, actually. Um, I've I, I'd all, for years, all my feminist friends have been like, how do we finally end catcalling? Maybe if we post one more blog from Jezebel. That'll turn the tide. But it turns out that just fucking stab a motherfucker. And I don't know why nobody thought of that before. Uh, that dude's catcalling days are over. Um, so word will get around. People will be like, hey, man, I can't, I can't go catcalling tonight. I... <laughs> left my chain mail back at home. <laughs> I'm gonna have to sit this one out. Um, I need to talk to you about politics. Some people don't want to talk about politics. They're like, NATO, why do you gotta talk about politics? What do politics have to do with me? I'm not an immigrant, or a black person, or a Muslim, or gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, or a Jew, or a woman, or an old person, or a young person. <laughs> or a student, or teacher, or union member, or renter, or artist, or scientist, or journalist, or public employee. I don't breathe the air or drink the water. I don't live in a place that will be affected by drought, fire, or sea level rise. I don't like chocolate, wine, or coffee, or other food that will no longer be available to humanity due to climate change. I'm not mentally ill, pregnant, disabled, or currently being shot at, so what do politics have to do with me? 
That's a fair point. It's hard to argue with that. I have no retort. Um, it's a... Uh, uh, it, it's a difficult time. It's also an exciting time to be a political comedian. Uh, the, the, in 2018, there was this election, the blue wave, unprecedented turnout by young voters. It was incredibly exciting, uh, very huge. Uh, and, and I realized that uh, for all the young people who voted for the first time in 2018, who turned 18 in 2018, were born in the year 2000. It was incredible to me uh, to realize that young people who voted for the first time in 2018, their only memory of the American presidency is George W. Bush, Barack Obama, Donald Trump. That means that there's a generation of young people growing up who have no mental picture of the concept of a competent white man as president of the United States. <laughs> They're like, that's an old wives' tale. I'm not even saying a good president, just competent. You know what I mean? Just competent. Just like not so bad that people are writing books about the end of the white race as a good thing. Um, so... And part of the problem, obviously, is, is the electoral college uh, that it makes our political system distorted. So, like, in 20 years, based on demographic trends, half of the U.S. population is going to be in eight states. But thanks to the electoral college, we will reach a point where there's just, like, one angry white guy in Wyoming, <laughs> like, with a rifle on a tractor being like, I still have three electoral votes. Fuck everybody. <laughs> so, and it's also a hard time, like, for me, as a, as a Jew, like, it's scary because fucking Nazis have made a comeback you know what I mean like and I feel like it's my fault somehow like I'm a Jewish comic I've been making jokes about Nazis for years and they were funny jokes because there weren't fucking Nazis right outside you know what I mean and like I feel like it's my fault somehow like I conjured them like I said Beetlejuice three times and they were like haha we're back you know so I was like damn it why didn't I think of that so you know and there, so there's no, like Nazis all the way to the Oval Office and it's terrifying and some people are like how NATO how can you suggest that Donald Trump is a is a Nazi because his his daughter converted to Judaism and how can he still be a Nazi? And I was like, well, look, you know, he obviously wouldn't be the first president who hated someone he wanted to have sex with. I mean, <laughs> look at Thomas Jefferson. So I realize that that's a lot to ask of an audience to have a combination <laughs> Nazi incest slavery joke all in one. I realize it's a lot to ask, but I won't want you to humor me. So, um, and so sometimes people ask me this question, like, like, Nato, you talk about being Jewish and you talk about being white, but like, are Jews white or not? How white are Jews? And I have to answer that question with a story. Many years ago, I opened up for Paul Mooney, a uh, legendary uh, black comic and worked with uh, Chappelle and, and Richard Pryor, sold out shows, 400 people, mostly older black folks. And every night, I would talk about being Jewish and being white. And he never learned my name. But I would go, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Paul Mooney. And then he would come out, and he would go, give it up for that Jew who thinks he's white. <laughs> He'd go, you ain't white, motherfucker. Ask the Klan how white you are. And then the audience would clap. <laughs> now... I'm not proud of this, but I feel like this is a safe space and I can share this with you. Uh, if you're a white guy from a city of my generation and there's a room full of black people seeming to applaud your non-whiteness, there's some part of you that's like, fucking yes! This is awesome! We did it! But I was also uncomfortable with it. Because I was like, you know, Mr. Mooney, sorry for... Far be it for me to disagree with you. I understand what you're saying, but ask the Klan how white I am. But I'm from San Francisco. I don't fuck with the Klan. Ask the police how white I am. 
And as far as the police are concerned, I'm hell of white. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, people think of whiteness as a, as a binary, but it's a continuum. And Jews, we have a place on the continuum. Like, too white for the Klan, not white enough for the police. That's our area. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, white enough that I can go to any college in America, but not so white. Like, I'm still reflexively afraid of a room full of white people. Like, that's... <laughs> like, I'm still... I will talk to your manager white. You know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> Like, actually, here's a true thing about me. I have been in a high-speed car chase in the middle of the night through the streets of the city with the police, running red lights, making illegal turns where I was chasing the police. Uh, that's how white I am. Some, there was shenanigans afoot, and I needed to talk to someone's manager. Uh, I was very displeased. Um, so that's completely true. Um, uh, so, and, uh, and so occasionally this debate breaks out uh, like on the left, like some people are like, well, what about, what about left anti-Semitism? And like there's anti-Semitism on the left, and I'm on the left, and some people, and here's an example of the kind of anti-Semitism that I deal with as a Jew on the left, is things like, uh, I can't put my finger on it, but I just find you annoying. Um, <laughs> and that's horrifying. I mean, obviously, I, I would much rather have someone shoot up a synagogue. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, So there's, uh, um, you know, living in San Francisco, there's like a lot of stuff about, about the tech people. And here's the thing about the tech people. Uh, they're inventing the wrong stuff. They're inventing a lot of stuff, but mostly the wrong stuff. Like, uh, not the stuff we need. Like in San Francisco, you know, in California, we have wildfires now. And now I have a new thing I need to be afraid of. Like, there are these wildfires. Now there are fire cyclones where fire goes 200 miles an hour. And now I'm scared of that. It's like, hey, tech people, could you maybe invent something to stop the fire cyclone, and they're like, no, 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 we're busy. We're inventing Shazam for soup. Like, <laughs> motherfucker, that's the wrong thing. Why are you doing that? Like, look, sometimes you have a consomme or a bisque. You don't know. You got to get it. Check it out. Uh, hey, tech people, the IPCC climate report says that we only have 12 years to cut carbon emissions or civilization will collapse. Could you maybe invent something to get the carbon out of the sky? And they're like, no, 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 we're busy inventing Uber for Uber. So, like, <laughs> if you don't have Uber, you can see who around you has Uber and then get that person to call you an Uber. <laughs> and so we're going to do that first. It's the wrong thing. Um, so I have children. I have 10-year-old twin daughters. Uh, and I want your pity. And uh, they're great. There's interesting conversations all the time. Like, we're driving through the city, uh, and uh, one day from the back seat, uh, one of them goes, Daddy, God's not real. She says, I know God's not real because uh, people say that uh, God lives in the clouds, but I was in an airplane that went above the clouds and I did not see him there. That's how I know God's not real. And I said, your logic is undeniable. <laughs> Without hesitation, her twin sister goes, why do you think it's a he? <laughs> people, I won left-wing San Francisco dad of the year. <laughs> My daughters demolished organized religion and patriarchy in under 30 seconds. So, and we lived in Cuba for a while, and so my kids had to go to school in Cuba, and as foreigners, we had to go to school that was run by the Spanish government. And the government of Spain uh, sugarcoats Spanish history, not like this country. And um, they leave some things out. They leave out the history of slavery and colonialism and the dictatorship. Uh, and so the way they teach Spanish history is like, there was Don Quixote, and then Ferdinand and Isabella reunited the kingdom uh, and drove out the Moors, and there were tapas, and <laughs> And then Penelope Cruz. Where did this gold come from? 
And so I had to teach them about the struggles against dictatorship and colonialism, and I taught them about the Cuban Revolution. And one day, my daughter and I are standing on the beach, white sands, uh, turquoise water lapping at our ankles, and she turns to me and she goes, Daddy, you know the Cuban Revolution? And I said, yes. And she said, let's go back to America and do that to Donald Trump. <laughs> and I was like, yes, good girl, that's right. Here's your gun, now. Remember what daddy taught you. What kind of family are we? And she was like, we're kind, daddy. And she was like, what does our family always do? We cut off the enemy's supply lines. That's what our family does. I don't know how you were raised. You cut off the enemy's supply lines, surround Mar-a-Lago, cut off the supply of chicken fingers, the regime will fall. So sometimes there are jokes, but I need you to know literally how to start a revolution. Rise up. That's my time. Your next comedian coming to the front of the amphitheater right now uh, is another. He's another uh, San Francisco comic. Uh, we claim him. Uh, is, we're deep in Frisco tonight. Uh, uh, he is uh, hilarious. He's been an inspiration for me uh, since. Uh, I was thinking about becoming a comedian, and I, he's one of the people that I got to watch as uh, before I was a comic, and then I got to know as a comedian. Uh, and he's great. Please welcome Blaine Patch. <laughs> Thank you. Nato Green, everybody. Nato. <laughs> Johan Miranda. How am I doing on time? Am I doing okay here? I see the light. That's good. Anyway, hi, it's me, Slenderman. It's good to be back in the woods where I feed. Yeah, feeding here in the woods. Working with some old friends of mine. Did anybody see Wendigo? Wendigo's here. Did you see Wendigo? Wendigo saw you. Eating your s'mores. Drinking your wine. Looking at your phones. You know, you think it as quiet as it gets up here at night. You think you'd be able to hear Wendigo coming up behind you. That's why he floats. Turn around. Yeah! Flashlight hits the ground. Check out the lost and found at the front desk. It's all flashlights. <laughs> Give it up for Wendigo. You better. It can hear you. Anyway, uh, this is a great event. Are you having a good time? Absolutely fantastic here. Uh, you know, we couldn't do a show like this without the help of some of our sponsors, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're brought to you tonight in part by Swiffer. When you don't really feel like cleaning anything, don't really clean anything. The Swiffer. We're also brought to you by Fruit Loops PM. Start your day off with a good night's sleep, Fruit Loops PM. I, uh, I drove up here yesterday from Los Angeles with my wife, my kid Oliver. He's been running around yelling while you're trying to teach a class about power tools. That's him. He's here someplace. I, I hope. Oh, he's right there. Hi. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Uh, he just graduated from kindergarten. Yeah. So uh, next week, he's going to Belize for a couple of weeks with some friends. Hitchhike across Europe. 
Anyway, I uh, I like to drive. I like driving a lot. It's fun. I, I listen, in the car. I should be listening to podcasts tonight, I guess. But I listen to a lot of serious XM, a lot of '40s junction. That's my thing right now. I think of '40s music on my satellite. I have a big dish on the roof. Can't get into parking structures. But I love the I love '40s music. It's I I don't know what it is. It's very relaxing. First of all, I just turn it on, wake up halfway up the mountain. Hey, this is great. It's like ambient. Uh, but uh, they're, really, they're really trying hard back in the 40s to have fun. There was no fun back in the 40s yet. <laughs> Nothing happened. There was no internet. You could die from a toothache. <laughs> Everybody was born looking 35 in the first place. <laughs> it was horrible, but they tried to have a good time. They were very earnest. Here we are, walking home in the cold. <laughs> I love being with you out here in the cold. We got nothing, but we're together. And you're going to war. Here we are, walking home in the cold. Hey, nice try, guys. A for effort. It's actually E for effort when you think about it. They were always singing about horrible places, too, in the 40s. Horrible places. Schenectady. It's New York, PA. Hey, what is Schenectady? Are you talking about East Nyack? Did you say New York? No, Nyack! Get out of here, you! Okay, I'll go to Schenectady! Don't! Don't go there! They're always singing horrible nonsense words, too. Scatting everything. Schooly bop a wee bop! I'm Queen Wappy! Schooly bop a wee bop! I'm King Ploppy! Wap, wap, plop, wap! Plop, plop, wap, plop! Jesus, shut the fuck up. Why don't you people grow up? Didn't you drop two nukes? How, how do you get a big band together anyway? That's weird. Hey, you play clarinet? I play oboe. You know what? I know a guy that plays alto sax. A guy that plays tenor sax, a guy that plays trumpet, a guy that plays trombone, a drummer, a piano player, an upright bassist, a guitar player, and a couple of singers. Why don't you come over to my place this weekend? We'll jam in my garage. My dad builds podiums. I can't, I got drafted. Wah, wah. Hey, you're here. Early rehearsals on Saturday. Everybody in that joke is dead by now. Everybody's dead. Nothing left but their flashlights. That joke, of course, brought to you by You're Fired, the new album from Ben Folds 4. We're also brought to you by... Three guys burgers. <laughs> Fuck those other two guys. <laughs> they know what they did. Three guys burgers. Sorry, I shouldn't be saying fuck in front of you, son. <laughs> don't say don't say fuck. <laughs> Daddy can say fuck. <laughs> anyway. Uh Johan was talking about superheroes, a lot of superhero movies. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> superhero movies are a big thing right now. I don't think we need superhero movies. I'll tell you who the real heroes are. 
People who uh, can fly and have super strength. They're the real heroes, everybody. Yeah, let them know it. Can they hear you? Yeah, of course they can. I like, uh, I like Shazam. Shazam was great. That was a lot of fun. He was my favorite hero when I was a kid. Shazam, Captain Marvel. That was a great idea, too. A kid that can turn into a superhero and maybe knock the Dungeon Master's Guide out of your fucking hand. <laughs> I would probably abuse that power now that I'm older. Probably just, uh, you know, wait until my wife goes to the grocery store, say Shazam, and just jerk off for an hour. I'll be back in a few minutes. All right, Shazam. <laughs> 45 minutes later, key in the door. She's home early. Shazam. <laughs> What's all the smoke doing in here? Did you see a flash? No, I think he's on vacation. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you smell ozone? No. It's going to rain? We're going to have to do that joke again. We have a helicopter. <laughs> Hey, I liked Shazam when I was a kid. Who saw Shazam? <laughs> you know, uh, here's the thing. Shazam is not actually a magic word. It's an acronym. It's the first letter of all the heroes and gods and demigods that gave Captain Marvel his powers. Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, Mercury, Phil. <laughs> All right, thanks for coming in on such short notice, you guys. Uh, I got kind of some bad news. This is sort of weird. I don't really know how to broach this topic, but uh, we ran the name past the focus group, and Shazam really isn't working for us the way we were hoping it was. Uh, test groups say it kind of sounds wet. It's, a, it's an ugly word. It's an ugly word. Uh, we're, we're losing very valuable points in the demo, and... Uh, yeah, I'm so bad at these things. I just... Zeus, can you take it from here? Yes. Phil, you're out. What? I'm out? What do you mean I'm out? I like Shazamp. I think it's kind of like an exclamation point. Puts a period on the end of it. Shazamp, you know you're done saying a magic word. I mean, what is this about placement? We could move it around. I have no problem with that. Shazpam. That's good. Shazpam works, right? How about Shapsam? Ooh, I, I got it. Put me in the front. Shazam. I like that. I don't. Sounds like somebody opening a can of soda. Hercules. Throw him off the cliff of eternity. Ah, you got it, Zeus. Ah, no, what are you doing? Ah, Hercules, put me down. Ah, I thought we were friends. I bought you cigarettes. Ah! Ah. I've been wanting to do that ever since I had to switch over to vaping. <laughs> oh, that's right, I forgot. Phil got Hercules smoking again. Anywho, now that Phil's dead, somebody's got to take over the website. Does anybody here know computers? Uh, I do. I'm on TikTok. Uh, I like it. Hercules, you're stepping up. Stepping up this week. That's good for you. It's going to look good on your evaluation. Give it up for Hercules, everybody. Uh, I had higher hopes for that joke. Let's see if I can get out of this. Hey, uh, did you ever fart after you shit? 
It's kind of like your asshole saying, and stay out! Here's your suitcase. Clothes everywhere. Thank God I had a shit joke. That joke, of course, brought to you by H&M Clothing. Quality from a distance. And rice pilaf, when you really should have gotten a baked potato now that you think about it. Rice pilaf. Uh, I'm a writer when I'm not an out-of-work comedian. Uh, I'm a member of the Writers Guild, proud member of the Writers Guild. Thank you. Uh, since 1995, how many people here are born in 1996 or after? Okay. All right, well, I know where I'm not wanted. Uh, the great thing about being in the Writers Guild, they send you screeners. Can't let your friends watch them, they'll cut your fucking hands off. But they also send you scripts. That's the best part. Because this is the movie in book form. Best thing, there's scenes in here that aren't in the movie. Interior hospital. Doctor holds up a screaming baby. Nurse pulls out a mucus plug. Congratulations, it's a girl. Father takes a cigar out of his mouth. You did it, honey, a beautiful baby girl. What are we gonna name her? Let's name her Star. <laughs> Weird they would cut that out. Here's a, here's a great scene. This is the meet cute. This is where they meet. The meet cute. Star gets off stage at a drag club where she was performing for some reason. Hey, I liked you up there. That was nice. Thanks. Hey, wait a minute. Aren't you Brad Cooper from the Hangover movies? Yeah, Bradley Cooper, yeah. Yeah, I was in the Hangover movies. Wow, that's awesome. Hey, I, I hate to be like a fangirl or anything, but uh, 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 I really liked you in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy where you were Rocky Raccoon. That was terrific. Rocket. Rocket Raccoon, yeah. What did I say? He said Rocky, but, you know, people say that all the time. I guess it's the Beatles thing. Oh, yeah. I just got the White Album, that remastered thing with all the Escher demos on it. It's great. I love the Beatles. Yeah, me too. Cut to them fucking. <laughs> I'd leave that in. Here's the, uh, here's the big famous scene, the meme scene. Limo pulls up, window goes down. Hey! 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 The wrong person turns around. Wow, aren't you Brad Cooper? Yeah, Bradley, yeah. Hey, uh... uh I hate to say this, but you were great in American Sniper. Well, I don't get that a lot, but thanks. Hey, before you put your window up, could you do a scene from American Sniper? I, I'm kind of in the middle of a Star is Born right now. Oh, come on. Well, all right. American Sniper, get in here! You wanted to see me, Commander? I don't 
don't want no one to see you, American Sniper. That's the whole point. I need you to kill somebody from a distance. You think you can do that? Kill somebody from a distance? I think so. That's my job. I'm a sniper. You tell me to kill somebody from a distance, they'll be dead and I'll be back in my hotel room rubbing one out before his widow hits her knees. I like that, American Sniper. Mind if I call you American? You can call me whatever you want, Commander. I like the way you do whatever I tell you. Commander reaches into his uh, desk drawer and pulls out a big bottle of alcohol at work. (laughs) Pours two glasses of booze. Here's the sniping. Here's the sniping. Clink. Cut to them fucking. Hey, thanks. That was awesome. My pleasure. The window goes up. Here's the big finish. Spoilers. You might want to click out of this. You getting all this? Don't you die on me, star! Don't you die on me, Bradley Cooper! The door opens. Fred Schneider from the B-52s runs in. Wearing a white lab coat and a stethoscope. Nobody is dying on my watch! Fred Schneider? I didn't know you were a doctor. I'm not a doctor, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. And live from New York, it's Saturday night! I gotta be honest. I didn't see it or read this. Uh, I love you. Thanks for listening. Blank Apache, everybody! Your penultimate comedian of the evening uh, is uh, has been seen on Conan, but also uh, I, he tells me closer to your level. He's also been on Stop Podcasting Yourself. Uh, uh, please welcome uh, the incredible DJ Demers. How's it going? Good to see you guys. So good to be here. It is. Uh, an honor. It's the first time I've ever been able to wear my hiking shoes on stage. And for real, I value that. Uh, Cardio Hill, what a, what a name. <laughs> nice of them to keep the uh, original Native American name for that hill. <laughs> I'm, this is amazing, for real. I've been hanging out with you guys the whole weekend. I got to, got to talk to Ken Jennings, for Christ's sake, you know? Yeah. Oh, God. Got to ask him a question I've always wanted to ask him. I said, hey, what's, uh, what's the deal with yawns? Why, why do we yawn? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> for real. And uh, he, he said it's a mystery. I was hoping for a bit more. 
resolution, but it was a good conversation. Good to be here. This is an incredible cult meeting, and um, yeah, for real, I mean that in the most complimentary terms. This is, I, I'm 33 years old. I'd love to join a cult. I'm sick of trying to figure stuff out, man. I, if, there, if you're looking to extend this beyond the podcast network, I'm in. No further questions. In California, so easy to start a cult in California, too, right? It's warm. I'm from Canada. You can't start cults there. You've got to keep people warm, shelter, right? California, you just buy a plot of land. You're like, just throw a sleeping bag down wherever, and uh, I'm your leader now. <laughs> what a rush, man. I'd love to be a cult leader. Oh, my God. People calling you their leader? What a term. <laughs> leader. Oh, my God. This guy's my leader. Leader. I give him all my money. He has sex with my wife. I love this guy. <laughs> what a rush. I don't have the confidence to be a cult leader, though. To be a cult leader, you got to be like, that's the most confident you can be. I'm not there. I'm at like 70%. I'm at like teenage magician confidence. <laughs> uh, which is still very confident, by the way. I don't know if you've ever met a teenage magician, but they got the world by the balls, man. Too much power, too young. <laughs> you guys know. You've seen the look in their eyes, they're monsters. I am from, uh, I am from, Can I live in California now though, I live in LA, but I moved a couple, two and a half years ago uh, from Canada, and uh, I love it here, but it is, it's different, you know. When you live in Canada, you think the countries are very similar. And then you move here, and you're like, oh, God, no. <laughs> they, even little things, like Amber Alerts, when a child goes missing, they send a text to you. They didn't do that when I lived in Canada. So the first one I got when I moved here scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I thought they were contacting me directly. <laughs> I was like, I don't know nothing, man. <laughs> I feel like I belong, though. It's been a... Almost three years, two and a half years, and I asked a friend when I moved here, I said, how will I know when I belong in the United States of America? And he said, you'll know when you have your first American thought. First, yeah, I didn't know what that meant. No idea until I had my first American thought. Just a couple months ago, I knew right away, it was so beautiful, so pure. I was playing basketball, right? And the guy I was guarding, he went to shoot. So I jumped up to block him, but he was only faking. So he went down, I went up completely flipped over. I'm like, ass over tea kettle. I was about to smash my head off the pavement, and my first thought was, oh no, I don't have health insurance. <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. I know, I know. I'm home. That joke doesn't land in Canada. They don't understand. They're like, yeah, right, you don't have health insurance. That's funny. Of course you have health insurance. They don't understand. You don't know until you get here. You have to shop for health insurance. Like, we know that in Canada, but you don't fully... Like, when I moved here and I had to shop for health insurance, that's the craziest purchasing decision to have to make, to have to decide, how much is my life worth to me on a monthly basis? Let me crunch the numbers on that one. I shopped around. The best quote I got was $400 a month. $400 a month. I was like, I've had a good run. 
Now be careful. <laughs> Scary. Every day I leave the house now, I'm just, everybody take it easy. Let's all get to where we're going. I wear hearing aids, too. We all do in Canada. Um, uh, free health care, you'd be a fool not to, you know. a fashion thing up there. <laughs> but, uh, no, I do. I wear hearing aids. I've had them since I was four years old. I'm deaf. Like, I'm really deaf. Not full deaf. I'm hard of hearing. I've had, like, full-on deaf people get mad at me for using the word deaf. I've had them talk to me, you know, come up to me after shows with friends and say, you're not deaf. You're hard of hearing. We're deaf. You're not. I'm like, okay. I don't, I don't want no trouble here. I'm, I'm just a couple dead batteries away from being on your side, you know? we got to... <laughs> got to stick together. I didn't realize there's like a beef between the deaf and hard of hearing communities. A quiet beef. But, uh... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm all for, you know, accessibility. Uh, having hearing aids is really... It, you learn a lot, you know? I, uh... I don't know. There's certain things. I don't like the way disability is portrayed sometimes. Like, uh, I was on America's Got Talent a couple years ago, and because uh, I wear hearing aids. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> they love that shit, man. Oh, God. You show up with a disability, they're like, get in here. I was like, yeah, I do comedy, too. They were like, yeah, just bring the hearing aids. We'll figure it out. But no, it was, it was a good, it was fun, you know? It was a cool experience. Every comedian always wonders what Heidi Klum thinks about their comedy. And, uh... <laughs> to finally get that answer. So satisfying. Uh, I, uh, I lost to a juggler. Um, for real, that doesn't get any easier to say. It's, uh... That's a tough one. I didn't play the game, you know? They wanted me to cry. They explicitly asked me. They were like, if you could cry during the interview, that would really help us out. And uh, I was like, I'm not going to cry. I'm happy. Life's great. And they were like, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> the interview started, you know, right away. They're like, so tell us about your sad, sad life with hearing aids. And I was like, no, I'm good, man. I'm really happy. Like, I couldn't, really couldn't be happier. And they were like, we're going to go with the juggler. Uh, <laughs> He's got 10 kids. He immigrated from Romania. He cries on command. This guy's got it going on. Uh, I get it. That's just how disability is portrayed in the media. You know, you gotta, they got to have the pity. There's only two ways they look at disability. They never just show, like, a regular-ass person leading a life with a disability. It's either pity or inspiration, right? Over here on the spectrum, you got pity. Look at this person with a disability leading their sad, sad life. And then over here, the inspiration. Look at what this person has been able to accomplish despite their sad, sad life. Uh, there's nothing in the middle, you know? I, I don't do the inspiration thing. I'm just some dude. Uh, pity, I definitely don't do. Like, that ain't me. Like, I wear hearing aids, but I'll still bang your girl, you know? And uh, that's, a, that's a pro-disability joke. We should all feel good about that one. <laughs> 
I don't have that much like, you know, bluster. I'm not like I'm confident, but I'm not a bully. It's very hard to be a bully when you have a disability, you know, people always have better ammo to come back with, you know? I can't be like, hey, Daryl, that's a really ugly sweater. And Daryl's just like, aren't you deaf? Gosh, okay. Yeah. You got me. You got me, Daryl. Hard of hearing, actually, but you got me. But yeah, I know, so I wouldn't bang your girl. That ain't me. I'm married, actually, and uh, uh, yeah, thank you. Five months. We're, she's got matching hiking shoes. We're all in, man. Uh, yeah, I love her. She's awesome. She doesn't love that joke about banging other girls, but uh, she knows. I'm an artist. Uh, <laughs> she's cool. I knew I had to marry her. Like, I love her, and she's just amazing. I, I'm the first guy with hearing aids she's ever been with, I think. I've never asked. Uh, I mean, I'm not being rude. I just don't want to know. I'd be jealous if I found out I wasn't, you know. I'm, I'd be like, was this son of a bitch deafer than me? You tell me right now. But... But she's got it. I take my hearing aids out when we go to sleep. This is not, I know this is a little bit crude, but it's so true. She can fart all night long. For, that's amazing for her. That's huge. But honestly, she gets a little carried away. I'm like, you know, I can still smell, right? Let's, uh. Let's not get greedy over here. But uh, since I take my hearing aids out when we sleep, uh, like I'm real deaf, you know, so a lot of things are different. She's had to make adjustments. Um, pillow talk, very different. No, I take them out. There's no like casual transition from talking into sleeping. Like when I take my hearing aids out, talking time is over, right? No. Sleeping time has begun. Uh, we even have a little ritual we do now where before I take them out, I'll make like a last call. I'm like, hey, baby, you got any final thoughts on the day? Or any closing remarks? So I'm about to shut this shit down. Not all fun and games. She said something to me recently that kind of shook me. I'd never even thought of. She said, when we go to sleep at night, when you take your hearing aids out, I feel alone. I feel very alone. I was like, oh, alone? I never even thought. I was like, no, baby, you're never alone. Don't ever forget that. I'm right there beside you. And if anything happens in the middle of the night, anything at all, I need you to save me. Okay? <laughs> you're not alone. Don't ever forget that. <laughs> I need you so bad. In fact, I need you to start sleeping with your contacts in, please. Uh, we're very vulnerable right now. I take out my hearing aid, you take out your contacts. Unit, we've gone full Helen Keller, right? That's not good. I got permission from her to say that joke. From my wife, not Helen Keller. Very uh, furious. Um, no, it's good. I, uh, I do have... I'll end on this one, a 25-minute bit, and then I'll get out of here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but uh, I, like I said, I got a bit of an ego, but um, I think it's healthy. I, I satisfy it in really small ways throughout my day, like slip a big word into a conversation. You ever? You guys all listen to podcasts. You know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> you guys know so many big words. I can, you're going to like this one, I think. Too much pressure on the joke. You might like it. Let's see. Uh, it's a terrible joke. You're going to hate it. Bring it down. Let's come back up. Uh, 
You know when you slip a big word in and you can tell the person you're talking to? It's like, oh, shit. Huh? I didn't know he knew that way. You don't go too big, though. You know, these people who are trying way too... You can see it from a mile away. They come in with the big word. You're like, okay, we all know what you're up to, right? One I'll never forget my buddy. He was... I'd never heard this word, and I know of, uh, quite a few words. He was like, oh, have you seen Sheila lately? And I was like, no, what's up with Sheila? He was like, oh, she just seems really lugubrious lately. <laughs> like, lugubrious? He's like, yeah. I'm like, no, nobody knows what that means, do we? <laughs> what the hell does that mean, lugubrious? He's like, oh, lugubrious, it means sad. Sheila seems really sad. And I was like, just say sad then, that's fine. You don't have to be a lugubrious sack of shit about the whole thing, you know? <laughs> Lugubrious, get the hell out of here. You ever have someone use a word you don't know and you ask them to define it and they use an even bigger word in the definition? That's a dick move right there, man. Same guy said nefarious. This was like a long time ago. I didn't know what it meant. I'm like, nefarious? He's like, oh, it's kind of similar to uh, duplicitous. I was like, you want to go, bro? Those are fighting words. No, you got to slip in with the perfect big word. You're talking to the masses. You don't want to be like, like I'm bowling with a buddy one time. He had one of those amazing curve shots. Almost went in the gutter. Strike. Knocked them all down. Hell of a shot for a second there. Uh, I didn't, you were right on the precipice. And uh, it made an impact, right? He, uh, oh shit, precipice, okay. Wasn't too big. We moved on. I got the ego boost. Beautiful moment. But uh, my problem is after I use a big word, I feel really possessive. Like, I feel a sense of ownership. Like, it's a dark feeling, but it's real. Because uh, I know, because after I bowled my turn, I was walking back up, and my buddy was talking to the two ladies in the lane beside us, and they were complimenting him on, on his shot. And then I, as I'm walking up, I hear him go to the ladies. He's like, oh, thanks. I was worried for a second, because it was right on the precipice. I walked up to him, I was like, hey man, can I talk to you for a second over here? <laughs> He's like, what's up? I'm like, what's up? <laughs> You're using precipice now. <laughs> That's cool. Just that, uh, you know, you didn't even know that word five minutes ago, dude, so. He's like, I did too. I'm like, you did not. He said, I did too. Stop admonishing me. That's my bad. That's on me. I didn't realize I was talking to a fellow sesquipedalian over here. That's and he said, indubitably. I was like, relax, bro, relax. It's only you and me. Uh, a sesquipedalian, by the way, is someone who likes using big words. Feel free to use that one at a party if you feel like losing a few friends. It's a good one for that. I'm DJ Demers. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Appreciate you guys a lot. Thanks, Max Fun. See you guys.